Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today, and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. I'm excited to share with you today. Um, we, we baptized in water this morning, and uh, um, you need to know why we do it. You need to know what this is all about. Let me just assure you this, that water baptism is not a bath, Okay? You're not being baptized in water to wash away your sins. Um, you know, and I know that, that, that some people, um, that, that's what they think is happening when they're baptized in water. In fact, I've had people s say that to me that wanted me to baptize them. And, uh, you know, the, you're going to understand that this, this is when, uh, uh, when we go into the water, the Bible teaches us clearly that we, have, we were dead in trespasses and sins. And that old man that you used to be was nailed to a cross with Jesus. When Jesus was nailed to the cross, in the mind of God, that was you hanging on the cross. What do you do with that old dead man? You know, what did they do? They took Jesus' body down off the cross, and they laid him in a tomb. He was buried. Burial is the disposal of that corrupt dead man. And so you dispose of it properly. Now, here's what I want you to understand. Since you were in Christ, since in the mind of God that was you, hanging on the cross. When Jesus went into the tomb, that's where the old man was, was, was disposed of. You don't want to bring that old man back. You don't want to bring that, that dead, stinking man back. You want to leave him there. When Jesus rose from the dead, Here's what you have to understand, is that when he rose from the dead, your sins were left in the grave. When Jesus rose again, he didn't bring your sins back. And since you were in him, what applies to him applies to you. Now, let, let's share some, some scriptures this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 Verse number three, for I delivered to you first of all what, that which I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. That he was, then after that, he was seen by 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James and by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also as one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. 
But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. Now, we could all repeat that, that his grace towards us was abundant. His grace towards us, um, he says, by his grace, I am what I am. Praise God. And his grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, and yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. Now, let's go on. If Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. You see, Christ was raised from the dead. Why was he raised from the dead? Because everything that Jesus did, he did it for you so that you could follow after according to the same example. Jesus was buried. He was raised again. Praise God. And now you have been buried with him and raised with him to newness of life. Praise God. Now, verse 15 says, Yes, and we are found, all, found also, uh, excuse me, and yes, we are found false witnesses of God because if, if Christ hasn't risen from the dead, keep, keep that thought in mind. If Christ has not risen from the dead, then we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he was raised up Christ, uh, that he has raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished, if in this life only we have hope in Christ. We are of all men most pitiable. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For if in Adam all die, even so, in Christ, all shall be made alive. Praise God. Now, the word baptize, uh, from the Greek, it means to dip repeatedly, to immerse, to submerge a vessel. that it, uh, It's used of a vessel that is sunk, that it is uh, immersed or submerged. To cleanse by dipping or submerging, to wash, to make clean with water, to wash oneself, to bathe, to overwhelm. Now, I know I said it's not a bath, even though part of the, that word could be used of, of uh, uh, taking a bath and, and, and cleansing. But that's not what this is. If we, you know, just because the word can be used in that way doesn't mean that it always is used in that way, all right? And so um, there is something that happens. This, this word baptize, um, the, the part of that definition that you are submerged, now we got to remember what is it speaking of? What is it testifying of? It is testifying of a burial, and a resurrection, all right? A burial, you don't just sprinkle a little dirt on a dead body. 
You bury that thing. Praise God. And so, uh, you know, that's, that's why we don't sprinkle. We submerge because that is what you do with a dead body is you put that thing under completely. Praise God. Praise God. Some of, some of these big boys, it's a little hard to get them all the way under, but uh, we did our best. Okay, you might have seen a knee sticking up or something, but uh, uh, we, we did our best to put them all the way under because we want it to be a, a true picture of what happened when Christ was buried, what happened to us in all, in all reality, what happened to us when we were buried with him. Praise God. Now, Acts chapter 1 Verse number eight, I want you to get this. This is maybe the most important scripture that I'll share today as far as why we baptize in water. Acts chapter one, verse number eight says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses. And of this most important scripture, this is perhaps the most important word in the scripture uh, to understand why we baptize in water. You shall be witnesses to me. Jesus is making this statement. He says, you shall be witnesses to me in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You shall be witnesses to me. Now, not just in the existence of Jesus, but witnesses to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. You see, death, burial, and resurrection is critical to your spirit life. You see, you can't be born again until there's been a death. You see, you, you, you died and then you were raised up and it, the, the resurrection is a new birth. You, Jesus said you must be born again. And so the uh, death, burial, and resurrection, if we leave the death, burial, and resurrection out of the Christian message, it is nothing more than a social message. If we leave the death, burial, and resurrection out of the message of Christ, it has no power. He was proved to be, according to the Apostle Paul writing to the Romans, he said he was proved to be the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. Praise God. Praise God. Now, no death, no burial. He wasn't buried alive. No death, no burial. No burial, no resurrection. And so if we take away the burial, if we take away the death, there is no resurrection from the dead. And here Paul is saying, he said, you know, some of you are saying there is no resurrection from the dead. He says, if there's no resurrection from the dead, then Jesus is not raised up. And if Jesus is not raised up, then your faith is in vain. What are you believing in if you don't believe in the resurrection? This is why he wrote to the Romans in chapter 10 of the, uh, of the book of Romans. He said that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. Praise God. Resurrection is critical, but no resurrection unless there's a burial. And no burial unless there's a death. Praise God. Praise God. Now, Colossians chapter 3. Excuse me. I, yeah, that's what I want. Colossians chapter, chapter 2, excuse me. Colossians chapter 2, verse number 12. He says, buried with him in which you were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from 
the dead. The message of the resurrection is all the way through the gospel. Praise God. You know, the good news that Jesus not only died for you, but he was raised again. And if you do not believe in the resurrection, I'm, I'm sorry to tell you that if you do not believe that Jesus was raised from the dead, then you are not saved. Because this is the cornerstone. This is key. Just like the children of Israel from the day that they came out of Egyptian bondage and they crossed the Red Sea, which actually is a, is a type of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. You know, when they crossed the Red Sea, they were baptized into Moses, is what the, what the Scripture tells us, what the Apostle Paul said. We're baptized into Moses. They were baptized. In, we're not baptized into Moses. They were baptized into Moses, but as a type and shadow of us being baptized into Christ. They crossed through the water and out the other side was a picture of going into the water and coming out the other side, which is a picture of going into the grave and coming out the other side of the grave. Everybody following me so far? Praise God. Now, he said we were buried with him in baptism. Now, when we're reading the scriptures, we need to understand this, this word baptism and look at the context to see what he's talking about. Because, you know, the, the term baptism is used of being baptized into Moses. The term baptism is also used in, uh, you know, the, the baptism of John the Baptist. Uh, you say, well, were the people saved when, the, when John baptized them in the, in the Jordan River? Well, the, they weren't born again, let me put it that way, because Jesus was the firstborn from the dead. And Jesus had not even died yet, so therefore, if he was the firstborn from the dead, the first one raised up from the dead, then it was not possible prior to that time that anyone would be born again. Now, they, they, they believed, but they were believing on what was to come, not what had taken place. They were believing on what was to come. Praise God. In fact, John the Baptist pointed to Jesus, and he said, I must decrease, he must increase. He said, you know, he, Jesus is here now. He's saying, I want you guys to go follow him. And he pointed them to Jesus. He pointed them to what was to come. And so uh, what are we doing on this side of the cross? We're pointing back to what happened. Praise God. We're pointing back to something. John the Baptist was pointing forward. But the term baptism was used of being baptized into Moses. It was term used to speak of what John did, baptizing in the Jordan River. Then we see that baptism is spoken of being baptized into Christ. Now, what just happened here, these were not baptized into Christ right here. They had already been baptized into Christ. That's already, when you received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you were baptized into him. The Bible says my life is hidden with Christ in God. So you were immersed into Christ. When you received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you were immersed into him. Then we see another baptism that is spoken of. It is is the baptism with the Holy Spirit. John baptized with water, but he, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, being baptized with the Holy Spirit, um, you know, we we speak of, uh, you know, this, this word baptize, 
there, there are two historical ways that this word baptized was used. One is baptism is a term that was used for dyeing a garment. Take a piece of, uh, of fabric, a garment, and you, you put it in dye, and when it comes out of the dye, it is forever changed. You can never get the color of the dye out of the garment. It can never revert back to being what it was. When you were baptized into Christ, you can never revert back to being what you were. Praise God. Second thing is, has anybody ever made pickles? What did you do to make pickles? You took cucumbers, or you could actually pickle a lot of things. You know, you could pickle okra or pickle, you know, but, uh, you know, when you pickle something, you submerge it, immerse it in vinegar, and the vinegar begins to permeate that vegetable that you're pickling. And when it comes out, it is forever changed. It can never revert back to being what it was. When we were immersed into Christ, my life became hidden with Christ in God. Praise God. And I can never, ever go back to being what I used to be. Praise God. Praise God. Now, remember I said we're, we're talking about this, this word witnesses. You shall be witnesses unto me. What took place here today was a witness. Praise God. Do you, do you see that? Do you understand that this was a witness? This is making a statement that this is what happened to me. I was immersed into Christ and raised up to newness of life. Praise God. Now, in Acts chapter 8, verse number 26. It says, Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and he went. Behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. And when the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake his chariot. So Philip ran to him. And heard him reading the prophet Isaiah, and he said, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come and sit with him. And the place in the scripture which, was, which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away, and who will declare his generation? For his life was taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at this scripture to preach Jesus to him. So Mo, uh, uh, Philip went back and he began to take the scriptures from Isaiah the prophet and he began to preach or declare Jesus to him. Now, I want you to notice the next thing. We're in verse 36 now. It says this. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said, 
See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Now, Philip's answer to that question was very critical to us. Notice what Philip said. If you believe, you may. If you believe. All right. How are we born again? How are we immersed into Christ? By water? No. The believing had to come first. If you believe, you may. Now, remember what his question was. Here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? What hinders me from being baptized? Now, let's, let's read the unstated truth that is in Philip's answer. He said, if you believe, you may be baptized in water. But here's the unstated truth of that. If you do not believe... You, we can dunk you all day long, and it doesn't make you a, a, a believer. It doesn't make you born again. It doesn't save you. So if an unborn again person, this, this is why, see, we never baptize infants. We, we never baptize babies. We never baptize children until we're, they are old enough to make sure you know, if you want your children to be baptized, parents, you need to talk to them and make sure that they understand what it means. Because you can take a person that has not been born again and you can dunk them in water all day long over and over and over and over and over again and they will never be saved. They'll get mad at you for dunking them in the water, but, uh, you know, the, it, it will not save them. This is why I asked the question before we baptized because I wanted the, the verbal statement out of their mouths that, yes, I have received Jesus. See, if, if they have not, if this Ethiopian eunuch had not believed he may not be baptized in water. Okay? Now, I'm going to give you other scriptures because we're going to establish this in the mouth of two or three witnesses. All right? What hinders me? Acts chapter 8, verse 37. Then Philip said to him, if you believe with all your heart, that's consistent with what the apostle Paul wrote to the Romans, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you may. And he answered and said, here he made his verbal commitment, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went, de went down into the water, and he baptized him. Now when they came up, out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went his way rejoicing. Now, this makes a statement. The statement is, I have been crucified with Christ, I have been buried with him, and I have been raised to newness of life. Now, I'm going to say this, you know, there used to be, um, I used to hear people say this, it was kind of a catchphrase that people would say that about something they didn't really want to do, and they would say, let's not and say we did. Now, I don't hear that anymore, nobody's saying that anymore, but, uh, you know, let, let's not do that, but let's just say we did. Uh, well... That's not what we're doing here. You know, if you haven't been crucified, buried, and resurrected with Christ, let's not say we did. Let, let, let's, you know, let's not just say we did if we didn't. 
If you have not received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, let's not claim that we did. If you have not believed upon Jesus, let's not claim we did. Because you're making a statement, you're making a claim here of what you have done and what has happened to you. You are bearing witness to something. Now, if you're bearing witness to something, this is a term that is used in a courtroom. When you go in the, you know, into a courtroom, the judge wants to know what happened to you. You shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. So if you go into the courtroom, you don't say to the judge, he says, well, what did you see? Well, nothing, but I probably will tomorrow. You know, you don't bear witness to something you might do. You don't bear witness to something that, that may take place tomorrow or that even that you're expecting to take place tomorrow, you bear witness to what has, past tense, happened, what has taken place. This word witness, uh, in, in one definition from W.E. Vine, it says this. It says this, this word witness, you shall be witnesses unto me. This is the Greek word martus, and that word martus, if you didn't recognize that, it's where we get our word martyr. And martyr has come to mean one who, who uh, gives their life or dies for a cause or for their, for their faith. Uh, and, you know, it really, words evolve in their meaning. And uh, let me give you an example. Cool used to only refer to the temperature. Now it refers to me. <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, cool used to only refer to the temperature, but it has evolved to me. You know, this person is, uh, has a, a, a certain, I don't even know how to, how to describe You all know what cool means. Somebody's cool. Or we're cool. Meaning, you know, if, if there's a possibility that maybe our relationship was strained and you're saying, no, it's all good. Everything here, it's good. And, and so uh, if you say, well, no, we're cool, that means we're okay. It's, it's okay between us. Whatever could have become a hindrance between us is not a hindrance between us. So you see how the language can evolve in its meanings over time. Well, this word martus or martyr, initially it meant this, one whose life and actions testify to the worth and the effect of their faith. One whose life and actions testify to the worth and the effect of their faith. Now, we are to be witnesses unto Jesus Meaning that our life and our actions should testify everything that we do, the actions that we do, the way we live our lives should be a statement made about what our faith in Christ has done for us and what it means to us. Praise God. So when you go into that courtroom, they want to know not what did somebody tell you, they want to know what happened to you. What did you see with your own eyes? What did you experience yourself? You know, if you say, well, you know, I heard that this happened. What would they say? You know, object, hearsay. Anybody ever watch Perry Mason? All right. I object, hearsay. You know, they're objecting because they have no personal experience about this thing that they are testifying to. And here, if we don't have a personal experience, were you there to see Jesus raised from the dead? No, you weren't there. But you qualify as a witness. How? Because you've been resurrected. 
And the only way you can be resurrected is because he was resurrected. And so you bear witness to the resurrection because of your personal experience. If you don't have the personal experience, then let's not be testifying to it. Let's not be bearing witness to something that hasn't happened to us. But if you believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ, you have been buried with him. You have been raised with him. Praise God. Praise God. Now, he said the, the, the only thing here, there's, there's water. The only thing that, can, that will hinder you or prevent you from being baptized in water is if you don't believe. But if you believe, there is no reason. Let's go ahead and let's do this. Now, in Matthew chapter 3, verse number 13, Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized of him. Now, we find here the story. I'm not going to read all of this. But, but here I want you to see Jesus is baptized by John in the Jordan River. If water baptism was about washing away your sins, why was Jesus baptized? Jesus didn't have any sins. Why was Jesus baptized? Jesus was baptized to show forth something. He was baptized to, to give the people, it was a statement to the people that were watching. This is a statement, I am going to die, I am going to be buried, and I am going to be raised up. It was a statement. Jesus wasn't baptized to wash away sins. Now, many who were baptized by John in the Jordan River, they were confessing their sins, but Jesus had no sins to confess. He was making a confession, but his confession was, this is what is going to happen to me. This is the purpose of my life here, that I am going to go to the cross, I am going to be buried, and I am going to be raised again. Praise God. Now, in Mark chapter 1, verse number 9, it came to pass in the days that Jesus came from Nazareth to Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Why was it that Jesus heard the voice that said, you're my beloved son and you I am well pleased? Because the Father, he made a statement not only to those watching, but he made a statement to Father, I believe I'm going to go to the grave and you are going to raise me from the dead. Praise God. And he made a, he made a bold statement. So what are we doing when we, make, when we do water baptism? We are making a statement. Praise God. Water baptism is an outward sign of an inward work. So you can't see, I can tell you I believe, but you can't see that I believe. You can't see that I was buried and that I was raised from, from the dead with Christ. But I can give you a visual image and make a statement. Praise God. Now, let me ask you this. On the day of Pentecost... Peter preached, 3,000 were saved that day. 3,000 believed and were baptized. Now, were they all baptized in water? Probably, probably not 3,000 people were baptized in water that day. You know, I don't know where the... Uh, I don't know where the closest place they would have had to even go to be baptized in water, but 3,000 people were not baptized in water that day. But 3,000 people were baptized into Christ that day. Praise God. 
So when we read the scripture, we have to discern what is it talking about? Is it talking about water baptism? Is it talking about being baptized into Christ? Is it talking about being baptized into Moses? Is it talking about, you know, what, what is it talking about? Now, in, in uh, Romans chapter 6, verse number 4, he says, Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 1. It says, you he made alive. Well, once you're made alive, you can't stay in the grave any longer. Jesus was raised from the dead on the inside of a tomb, but then he walked out of the tomb. He didn't stay in the tomb any longer. You he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath just as others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead, get that, in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Praise God. Now, Acts chapter 2, verse number 21, it says, And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, notice what it did not say. It didn't say, whoever calls on the name of the Lord and is baptized in water will be saved. No, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, in Acts chapter um, 4, verse number 4, here again we see a multitude that is saved. Acts chapter 4, verse 4, however, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. So when it says the number of men, that means there were others that believed as well that were not men. So there were, there were some ladies that believed too. There were probably some children that believed too. You know, when Jesus fed the multitude of 5,000, the uh, Bible scholars estimate that he actually fed probably closer to 20,000. 5,000 men besides women and children. It very clearly states that in that, in, in that instance. But here, 5,000 believed. Praise God. Now, let's go to Acts chapter 10. This is very important for us right here. It says, to him all the prophets, verse number 43, to him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. Now, Peter is preaching at Cornelius' house here. He says, whoever believes in him will receive the remission of sins. And while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on those who heard the word. Now, notice this next part. How did, first of all, how did, they get, how did they get saved or were they saved? Were they saved right here through believing? Now, how many would say they're, they're, that they're saved? They believed. Okay. Seems like I need to go back and teach the, the basics again. All right, because, you know, only about six people believe they were saved here. Um, remember Pastor Jason said it's okay to talk back to me? Yeah. All right. 
They believed, and the Holy Spirit fell upon them. Now, in verse 45, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. How did he know that the Holy Spirit was poured out on the Gentiles? Verse 46 answers that question. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. They knew that the Holy Spirit had come upon them because they heard them speak with tongues. Now, if we go back to Jesus' teaching, Jesus taught us about Holy Spirit who was to come, and he said, whom the world cannot receive. So in other words, this gift of the Holy Spirit could not be received by an unbeliever, a non-believer, a non-Christian, a non-believer upon Jesus. Holy Spirit, this gift could not be received until a person was saved, until a person was born again. So the very fact that they received the Holy Spirit, which was evidenced by them speaking with tongues, just like it was on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, tells us that they were saved. Now, are, are we in agreement now? Right, I'm not going to ask you to answer me, but just uh, answer by raising your hand. Do you believe that these people were saved at this point? Okay, we got you. All right, here we go. Verse 47, can anyone forbid water? Now, how is it that if water baptism saves you, how is it that they were saved and now they're wanting to be baptized with water? Notice the order of events here. First of all, they believed, and when they believed, the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them, and then they were baptized with water. Notice the order. Notice the order. It's impossible, based on this passage, that we could say that water baptism saved them because that's completely in the wrong order for that to be the case. He says, for the, uh, can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Now notice, Peter didn't baptize him. Peter's preaching. Peter didn't baptize him. He commanded that they be baptized. So, you know, when, uh, you know, some say, well, well, Paul didn't baptize anybody. Well, Paul did baptize a few people. Uh but Paul's job was not to baptize people. His job was to preach. And others baptized them. He said, I'm, I'm thankful that I didn't baptize anyone except these few people. He says, because I don't want you to say that I baptized in my name. And so I want us to, to understand why we do what we do. Did Jesus command us to be baptized in water to save us? No. Jesus told us to be witnesses. We baptize in water as a witness to make a statement. You see, there are two, two things that make a witness. We did both of them this morning. We received the communion table. That's a witness to you. It's a reminder to you what happened. 
Jesus' body was broken. His blood was shed for you. That, rem- that is a reminder to you. Water baptism, the other one, is a witness to the public, is a witness to the people. Praise God. So with that said, I want to invite you, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm not inviting you to be baptized in water. I'm inviting you to, to believe upon the Lord Jesus. If water baptism speaks of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, but it also speaks of your death, burial, and resurrection. But we're not going to baptize any more in water right now. But you can be baptized into Christ right now. This moment, if you have never been baptized into Christ, you have never received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, how do you do that? We have established it is through believing. Believing the message that Jesus came to this earth, he died on a cross and paid for all of your sins, and he was raised from the dead so you could have new life. The Apostle Paul told us how to do that. Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. No baptism, no water baptism in that. But you are baptized the moment that you do that. You are immersed into Christ. Now, if that's you, whether you're sitting in this room or whether you're watching me online, I want want to ask you to pray this prayer with me right now. And if you pray this for the first time and you mean what you're saying, then according to God's word, you are saved. So let's pray this together. Say, God in heaven, I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me, that he paid for my sins so I wouldn't have to. And you raised him up from the dead so I could have new life. Today I choose Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen. We value you, and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website, and we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus, and I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us, and remember that God is madly in love 